Welcome to my podcast called Discover the Hidden Potential of Your Mind and to today's episode on how limiting relationship beliefs and relationship skills affect us. My name is Angelica and I'm here to share from my experience as a belief change and relationship coach. I'm always very interested in studies about relationships and love and There are studies that have shown that married couples tend to live longer than their unmarried counterparts. At least that is clearly applicable for married men. The jury is still out whether married women also live longer or if it doesn't make a difference for them. However, that benefit of living longer is only true if these couples experience their relationship as happy and when they feel safe with each other. So let's examine what determines whether we can create a safe and happy long-term relationship with our partner. And we essentially need to consider two main components, our subconscious beliefs and our learned relationship skills. Let's talk first about the beliefs that we hold at a subconscious level, and we're not even aware of them very often. Because the science of epigenetics has shown that our beliefs shape our reality. Supportive as well as limiting beliefs affect us in all areas of our life. And of course, we have lots of supportive beliefs in place that help us, but there's also those beliefs that hold us back. And that applies to any area you can think of. Money, health, your career, including and especially relationships, because relationships show up everywhere. And... Our main, our primary love relationship, of course, has a big effect on all the other areas. And the way this works is that our mind reads our environment. For example, it perceives our partner as safe to be with or as stressful to be with. And our mind sends that information to our cells. And of course, healthy cells allow us to live longer. However, the cells don't get the information directly, but they get it via our nervous system. And that nervous system responds to our perception of reality. Or as Bruce Lipton puts it, our subjective perception of reality overrides our objective experience. It doesn't matter what's objectively going on in the environment. Our subjective perception is key. How do we perceive it? How do we see it? How do we interpret it? What do we make something mean? So if our mind perceives another person as safe, we feel relaxed and our body is calm. Our cells get the message that we live in a safe environment. And in that case, we tend to live long and happy lives because we're experiencing life as safe and as pleasurable. If our mind misinterprets the environment based on limiting beliefs about relationships and perceives that environment or that relationship as threatening, no matter whether it actually is or not, the cells in our body receive the message that we are in danger, which then activates stress hormones and our natural fight or flight response is activated. And we can even get so used to being in that fight or flight state that it becomes normal to us. We don't even notice anymore. We're constantly in that 
anxious state and that state of defensiveness. So if we look through a negative filter at our relationships, based on our past often painful experiences and learned beliefs, we can find different reasons not to trust. Different signals will signal danger to us. And ultimately, we're sabotaging every intimate relationship. And I'm sure you would like to hear some examples of those limiting beliefs. So some of those faulty conclusions about love and relationships we might have drawn as we're growing up are, for example, I will always be alone and no one will ever be there for me. Or, I will never be good enough. I can't win. Or, I cannot have my needs met in any relationship. Or, once there is a conflict, that's the beginning of the end of the relationship, and I had better withdraw already to protect myself. So let's look at one belief at a time. The belief I will always be alone and no one will ever be there for me creates a loop of feeling abandoned and alone. In the expectation of being left, this person might co-create that experience by pushing others away. I leave you before you can leave me, that sort of thing. And the second one, I will never be good enough, is a really toxic conclusion as well. It comes with the experience of hopelessness and unworthiness. And it keeps the person who holds this subconscious belief in a victim place, powerless and helpless. And what about I cannot have my needs met in any relationship? Do you think if that's my subconscious belief, I will even try to get in touch with my needs and attempt to express them to my partner? Not very likely. Instead, I will put other people's needs before mine and begin to harbor resentment that my needs don't matter. And last but not least, the idea that once there is a conflict, that's the beginning of the end, I had better withdraw already. That pattern, of course, is supposed to minimize the hurt if somebody rejects us. However, unfortunately, the opposite is the case when it comes to conflicts. Doctors John and Julie Gottman's research has shown that long-term partnerships become stronger through the reconciliation of conflicts and differences. So it is actually the limiting belief about conflicts which ultimately creates what the person fears, the avoiding of conflicts, the fear of conflicts, that's what creates the loss of a relationship in the end. But it's not just the negative filter of our limiting beliefs that affects us in relationships. At the beginning, I was saying we have to look at two main components. The second one are our missing relationship skills. What tools and techniques do we need to interact successfully with our partner? And I want to highlight eight of those important or imperative skills. Of course, there's others. But skill number one, in every relationship, we need to know how to get in touch with our needs and to express them successfully. Because as humans, we all have needs 
this is not just for children. As adults, we all have needs that need to be met. And it's important to be able to express those needs to our partner, to meet our own needs and to request from the other person to help meet our needs. The second skill is knowing to take personal responsibility for our part in an interaction. And responsibility is different from fault or blame. Responsibility acknowledges that nobody is a victim, but that we're co-creating our experience. And even if it's just by allowing something, or often we're contributing in another way to a situation. So where is my part here? Where is my piece of responsibility in each interaction that I need to take responsibility for? Another important skill is knowing to make amends, knowing how to repair breakdowns or rifts in the relationship. For example, the faster I can apologize and take responsibility for something, own my part in an interaction and repair, the less the relationship is actually affected by a conflict. John Gottman jokes so nicely. He says, admit when you're wrong, shut up when you're right. So also shifting out of that need to be right. We can either be right or we can be in a functioning relationship. What is also required is, number four, the skill to work through conflicts in a conscious way. We can't help but trigger each other in partnerships into an emotional activation. Our partner becomes a proxy for our early caretakers, our parents or others, and we trigger each other into fight or flight at times. So it is very helpful to be able, and that's skill number five, to self-soothe when we get emotionally activated or triggered. And self-soothing can have many different forms. One person might choose to meditate, another one might go for a walk, or just sit and breathe, or turn in some music. Anything that works for the individual to calm them down, to get back into the prefrontal cortex of our brain and be in that state where we can actually problem solve and have a clear perspective of what's going on. Skill number six is to hold the space for each other and to co-regulate each other's emotions. So I can, of course learn to self-soothe but for some people it's actually much faster to soothe and regulate in relationship with someone else that could for example look that you're holding hands with your partner you're looking into each other's eyes you're just breathing together until both of you are calm but if you have a hard time being with uncomfortable emotions your own or your partners, you kind of want to fix them. You don't want to, you have a hard time um, watching them be there. This is more challenging to co-regulate. So part of that 
learning is to be okay with emotions, be able to be present with my own and to allow my partner to have his or hers. Skill number seven is knowing how to be vulnerable and being willing to be vulnerable and knowing how to generate intimacy on a regular basis. An intimate relationship requires vulnerability. When we come from our power parts, for example, that anger that we might step into or righteousness or control or even our rational mind can show up as a power part where we lecture others and we get very logical and rational. Those power parts can be helpful at times, but from those power parts, we cannot connect at a deeper level to someone else. It always helps to lead with vulnerability and to connect from that place. And then skill number eight, last but not least, is knowing how to keep your autonomy while you connect on a daily basis with our partner. So that beautiful dance between alone time, taking my energy back, focusing on other things like work, and then shifting back into personal energy with my partner and connecting. And when one or both partners are missing one or more of these skills, they can get into a lot of painful or toxic patterns. So we need to ask ourselves, which of these abilities we did not develop when we were young? Perhaps it's conflict resolution or collaboration. Those might be missing skills because we, in general, don't learn how to deal with conflict in a healthy way. Some people still think that doing conflict well means avoiding it. And that's not the case. Or perhaps the skill is being able to with our unpleasant emotions, as I mentioned earlier, and self-regulating these. Perhaps that's something we need to learn. Or perhaps we need to begin to take responsibility rather than choosing to believe that things are happening to us and we're without power and influence. So shifting from blaming others for what's happening to us to taking responsibility. And I'm curious, what beliefs do you need to change and what relationship skills would you like to learn in order to create and continue to lead a healthy and happy long-term relationship or in order to draw in, attract such a relationship into your life? You can contact me for a free phone consultation if you're interested. And I offer individual sessions or couple sessions, couples coaching. I also offer packages for couples if you're interested. Again, my name is Angelica. The phone number is 905-286-9466. Or you can email me to greendoorrelaxation at yahoo.ca. You will also find further information on my website, which is greendoorrelaxation.net.